further ado, um, Dr. Gannon, would you please put your hands together for my dear friend, Dr. Michael Gannon. Praise the Lord. Thanks a bundle, and uh, it's always my favorite place in the whole world to come. Uh, yeah, you'd like. Uh, so normally, just so you know, um, I do this for a living, professionally licensed, and um, and a normal couple that I walk through this with it costs four hundred dollars, which seems like a lot of money until you price divorces, which are really, really expensive and uh, very horrible. I do not recommend it for most people. So, um, so they're free. If you can pay, that's great. If you can't, great too. I'm not going to worry about it. So, um, um, so what we're going to do tonight, just so you know, um, I really feel like God gave me a word. Um, yes? Okay, one of them has scripture for the Christian people. One does not. So my recommendation is take one Christian, one not, and then you split the difference. One says it has a biblical, with biblical references on it. So the cost. Seven or ten. You have seven for one or ten for two. That everybody gets that. That's bonus. That's a bonus. Does that does that make sense? Okay, fine. If not, just do whatever you want, and we'll work it out later. Um. So, um. So, t- go ahead. Thanks. One more thing. Uh, if you're not prepared to do that, you can do it tomorrow morning. Also. Yeah, no sweat. Yeah, you can take them and you don't have to buy me a coffee would be great. <clears throat> it's probably worth more than seven bucks. But um, so tonight, I really feel like God gave me a word, um, quite possibly for Alaska. I'll let you be the judge of it. Um. And it's for anybody, so it's not specific to marriages. Uh, My theory is if you are uh, healed and whole as people, you'll be healed and whole as a couple. And so it's more for healing and wholeness than anything tonight will be. So if you're single, I'm glad you came. If you're divorced, I'm glad you came. If you're married, I'm glad you came. If you're happily married, I'm glad you came. If this is just preventative because you're crazy in love and still on your honeymoon, I'm glad you came. If you're like in, you know, DEFCON 4 distress and you're ready to, you know, kill each other, I'm glad you came. And, um, and so tonight I really think we'll help you. Um, and then on Saturday we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to provide you with tools. So I'm a firm believer in tools, Um, and so we're going to give out tools. Some of them are in this workbook, and we're going to work specifically on two things. One is uh, communication, uh, how to do it and how not to do it, and then on conflict resolution, which is really how to fight fair, okay? 
Uh, those are the two things, and we're going to work them out together. I'm going to help you professionally work through it. I used to work for the police and the FBI for eight years as a hostage negotiator. So whatever you're going through in your life, I've been in much worse situations. Trust me. You know, as long as I don't have, like, you know, red dots focused on people's foreheads, we're, we can get through almost anything. Amen? So, um, so even though we're going to crack open that little can of worms on conflict resolution, I'm a trained professional. Okay, fine. And if you'd like more, help yourself. So we already ran out. You guys are great. Um, and then what we're going to do also Saturday is have some uh, question and answers. I have found um, in doing this that people have questions you know, that you don't always get to ask your pastor or ask a professional. And so we're going to do a question and answer time. So if you want to think of, you know, try to throw our pastor's curveballs. Yeah, bring it on. It'll be great. We'll do that on Saturday. And um, so that'll be 9 to noonish or 9 to 11 or something. We'll see. Could, could be great. Um, all right, I think that's it. Does anybody have any questions right now? I'm really glad you all came. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. So um, turn with me to Mark. Anybody else need a book? Okay, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14, maybe 20. Some of you, one book, they're both books of the same. One book has scriptures to reference, the other one does not. If I think for the sake of everybody having one, if you want one, how many of you got two books and you're willing to part with one for somebody who doesn't have one? All right. Stand up if you have two books, you want to get rid of one of them. All right. All right. Go raise your hand. Now raise your hand. Wait, stay right where you are. Stay where you're at. Stay where you're at. All right. So you have a book. You have two books. You're going to let go of one. It's okay for right now. We're having more coming. Where are you? You're standing with your book. Very good. Wait. Now, where are you? You don't have a book, and you want one. Great. Go find somebody and give it to them. Ready? Go. That's great. And, and really, I know you're all raising your hand. It's really false advertising because I'm not even teaching on that tonight. So, <laughs> so we don't need them till tomorrow morning. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was not on purpose. I'm sorry, we'll give us time to get more. <laughs> All right, well, sorry about that. But you could scribble doodle in it and take notes if you want. <clears throat> All right, um, here, everybody, if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 5. Oh, my goodness. And... Um, How many of you would say you just have a great sense of expectancy that God's going to do something great for you? So that's almost everybody. Um, in Mark chapter 5, 
We're going to read verses 1, uh, 1 through 20. Um, is everybody ready? Uh, have an NIV. Um, did I bring my water? Okay. Is everybody ready? Thanks a lot. All right. Mark chapter 5, and here's what it says. It says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And when Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Um, Whatever your reason in coming tonight, I want to offer you hope um, by telling you a very graphic story. Um, So I've worked with couples for about 25 years, and one of the worst uh, I ever had to deal with, they, the husband had um, bargained his wife into a Uh, sort of a swinger situation and in this swinger situation they were both Christians they said a swinger situation is where you wife swap and husband swap and unfortunately as he was doing it this gang of men gang raped her and repeatedly gang raped her and violated her in very terrible ways 
and it traumatized her. And there, to say that their sexual life was affected by that would be a little bit of an understatement. And so as they progressed in their relationship, um, his perversion for pornography and all these things just spiraled so completely out of control that it really turned into a terribly demonic situation. Like it was horrible. And they came to me without really any hope at the end of their rope ready to kill themselves because it was so horrible. And, um, and I started working with them, um, and it was gradual over time, but they are today still happily married, and God really healed their relationship. And I mean, when I mean healed it, completely healed it. And so much so that last year, uh, I was in um, I was in Frankfurt, Kentucky, for a conference, and he flew uh, from Arizona and met me at this conference and handed me a check for five thousand dollars with tears in his eyes and said, "I am so grateful for what you did for me and my wife." They were in retirement and were just enjoying life. And the trauma of the thing that had happened to them seems so far away in the distant past. And I just tell you that graphic story not to shock you, but to just let you know that there's hope. It doesn't matter <laughs> how bad it has gotten, how bad it has been. The redeeming power of God is so much bigger. And, um, and so I wanted to just tell you that, to give you hope tonight. And uh, my message tonight is entitled, uh, Legion of Rejection. And it comes from this quote, the chapter that we just read. In 2001, the Surgeon General of the United States of America cited that rejection is the greatest cause of mental health concern among our adolescents more so than drugs, poverty, or gangs. That the, that the rejection that, that faces adolescents in our society and in our culture was a greater mental health concern than drugs, poverty, and gangs. And rejection, when you have a root of rejection, it sets you on a course to seek and to destroy your self-esteem. It tears you down so that you think that you deserve something or that you would allow your husband to swap you for some other wife. That rejection that sets inside of you, and it can come from so many different sources. They have proven that rejection temporarily lowers your IQ, your mental ability to process thoughts. You're less likely to respond to reason, even to people who love you very greatly. And those that would uh, protect you, when you have a root of rejection, you see it as harm. So you misconstrue the nature of love 
to see it as something trying to diminish you or to control you. Um, and then rejection also acts uh, upon your physiological self. Um, and it acts in much the same way and responds in much the same way as physical pain does. Um, that you can actually have aches, an ache inside your soul because you don't find the acceptance and the love and the thing that you need that nurtures and protects you. And as we read this text, this they called in the King James the demoniac, um, I would say probably suffers with more rejection than anybody else in Scripture. <laughs> you know <clears throat> what I'm trying to say. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, you know, if you've been through a divorce or having marital problems, if you're single and have pain of broken relationships or whatever you're facing, I really believe God wants to heal you tonight. I really do. Because if you can be whole as a person, you can be whole as a couple. <clears throat> and even though I love that Tom Cruise movie, it's rated R, so don't go watch it. You know, You Complete Me. Do you remember that? Tom, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money! Show! You don't know what I'm talking about. It's rated R, don't go watch it. And, um, and anyway, he walks in, and the, and the lady, Renee Zegweller, Zegweller, whatever her name is, you know, she's, he says, hello, and then gives this big speech. And he says, just tell me I haven't lost you. And she says, you had me at hello. You complete me. And it's a little cheesy. But if you're not completing you, there ain't no woman in the world going to complete you. And if you're not complete as a woman, there ain't no man in the world that can complete you. I'm just so sorry to break that news to you. So, so the completion of what God has to do in you, he has to do. He's the only one who can do it. And that's really what we're going to talk about tonight, allowing him to complete you. So there are many different forms of rejection. It takes uh, on many different um, characteristics, uh, ways that rejection manifests in someone's life. Um, you know, I'm sure the demoniac felt trapped in his setting. You know, he lived in a tomb. So, you know, I mean, you can't get any lower than that. You know, talk about feeling stuck and, um, you know, and having no hope. Rejection causes hopelessness. Like, I'm never going to get out of this situation. This is never going to change. My husband's never going to change. My wife is never going to change. Do you all hear what I'm saying? And it, and it caused him probably to feel trapped. <clears throat> he was in the tombs quite possibly because he didn't fit into society at, at large. It caused him 
to isolate himself from others, and especially in men, and I'm not trying to pick on men, but especially in men, there are many times where, um, you know, where that fear of rejection or rejection causes us to self-isolate. You know, we, we, we go inside ourselves because we're afraid of feelings, you know. You know what those are? We ha- they have them in California. And, um, and uh, you know, and in Alaska, we have different things. Right? I mean, you're a guy, right? You're looking at me like, I wear a pink shirt, so you already know my problem. It's just a joke. <laughs> so, so I'm a man in pink telling you to, you know, get in touch with your feelings. So, but that isolation can cause you to go away when really you need to be interacting with this person you love to say it's going to be okay. It's not you. It's not you. It's me. I just need the time. I just need a timeout. I just need to go shoot something. You know, I mean, I love you, but I just got to go blast something, kill it and skin it, bring it home and I'll be fine. You know, but we, but we don't always say stuff like that. We just escape inside ourselves. And sometimes that, that's, the, that's a cause of rejection. Does everybody hear me? And, um, and sometimes that can come because we don't feel like we measure up. You know, the reason he was isolated away from society is because he couldn't, couldn't act the right way. I'm sure he wanted to. Um, and yet he felt like people didn't understand. You know, no one knows, you know, no one knows my situation. No one's marriage is as bad as mine. You know, no, nobody knows what I'm going through. Do you all hear me? And that is, a, that is one of the causes of rejection to get you to even isolate more and, um, and not turn to the very source that can help you. Uh, I'm sure he felt cut off uh, in his isolation that no one could help him and that no one understood and no one knew what he was going through, which uh, causes even uh, greater rejection. That isolation reinforces the rejection and reinforces the feelings that they're not going to understand. And if you try to explain it, it's going to come back to bite you. Do you know what I mean by that? And then, so why bother? It's just going to cause another fight. Just going to cause another argument. You know, just, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to cause more tension. And so, so we, we don't confront the very thing that can help us. Um. And that, that is one of the great causes of rejection. Rejection leads to rejected results. So the, so the spirit of rejection leads to rejected results, which is sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because I know that you're going to reject me, I may preemptively reject you first. I don't want to be hurt by you. I don't want to be disappointed by you. So I'm just going to lower my standards so low that you cannot possibly disappoint me. And then I'm going to preemptively reject you before you reject me. I'm going to push you away by my behavior, by my drinking, by, you know, my spending, you know, all my time in my camper and my 
garage, you know, playing with the dog, you know, doing whatever. All the men are looking at me like, I'm going to get you later, dude. You think you're safe, little pink shirt dude? <laughs> and you're, We'll pick on wives tomorrow, so, and girlfriends, and fiancé is an equal opportunity picker, so just, that's a joke. Um, but that's what men do, and I am a man, so I know. But so rejection leads to rejected results. You get what you expect you're going to get. Does everybody hear me? And they call it in counseling the belief expectation cycle where your belief causes then expectation which then causes a behavior which then causes the intended result you thought you would get which then reinforces the thing again. And it's a cycle. It's called a belief expectation cycle. And unless you can break that thing and come out of that, to expect something different. Einstein said that's the definition of insanity, to keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. So, so today, tonight, not so much, but tomorrow we're going to teach you tools on how you can do something different. Wouldn't that be nice? And, um, and so the Gadarenes was a region settled by Alexander the Great as he conquered the known world. His soldiers, uh, after uh, conquering the world, ended up settling there. Many of them felt rejected by Alexander because uh, they, you know, they lost their Greek culture. It was the Hellenistic age, and they had been great warriors, and all of a sudden now they have to go you know, to farming or pig herding or sheep herding. So you go from this great warrior conquering the world to throwing slop on a pig, you know, not so much. Does everybody understand me? And for a man, that's like the kiss of death, you know. And, um, and that's where they settled in this region. And so to say that there was a spirit of rejection, a region of rejection, if you will, the region reinforced the fact that they were there and felt isolated and probably reinforced to this man exactly what he was doing. Um, and so in verses 3 and 4, um, we see that rejection causes you to live uh, among dead things, to be attracted to dead things. Uh, a lot of people who have roots of rejection go after dead relationships, things that are not going to produce fruit, they're not going to produce life, they're not going to lift you up. You know, people who have faced rejection are always trying to, you know, pull up the other people, but it's, but it's really the cry in their own heart, will someone help me? You know, and, and in counseling and even in pastoring, hurt people hurt people. I mean, if you're hurt, you're in ministries, shock, shock, you're going to hurt people. It's not, it's not personal, you know. You know, that scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, 
it's, it's actually better translated as you love yourself, you're going to love your neighbor. That's how it's better translated. As you love you, you're going to love her, you're going to love him. So if I don't love me, dude, I got a problem. How am I going to love you? I don't love me. I don't even want to be with me, you know. <laughs> right? And you're going to want to go help somebody? Can't help yourself, you know. And so that rejection um, attracts dead things. It attracts death. It attracts dead decisions. When you're caught in that rejection cycle, you make dead choices. You know, and, and, and everything about uh, life, when stuff is dead, it stinks and decays. Do you all know what I'm talking about? You ever smelt a dead thing? Dude, it's bad. It's bad news. Some people just stink, man. You know, really, and on the inside, if God doesn't heal that, you know, we're, we're normally, we're not fooling anybody because our stuff does stink. Isn't that true? And so it doesn't matter even the strongest human effort to try to help this young man in the tomb. Uh, they were trying to protect him from cutting himself. You know, he would cry out at night and cut himself. So they're chaining him for his own protection. They're chaining him to help him. But he didn't look at it like that because of the rejection. He was looking at him like, you're putting me in bondage. You're holding me captive. You're keeping me down. And they're trying to just protect him from himself. And, and you're going to take someone's love and affection wrong if you have rejection. You're going to misinterpret it. It's not going to be received in the right way. You know, you, you'll say something, you know, well, honey, is that a new dress? Are you calling me fat? Is that what you're saying? I'm fat. And you're like, no, nice dress, dude. You know, like, oh, whatever. Right? And that's rejection. Because what you hear, it isn't what was said. It's what you hear. It's what you feel on the inside. And if someone says some even complimentary, even in love, even whatever, you can completely just go off the deep end. You don't even need help to jump. Right? You know, and then men are, you know, we were not born yesterday, many of us, but, you know, then we'll say something really stupid like, are you on your period, you know? I feel like. And then it's, you know, and then it's like, I'm sleeping in the camper again. You know, <laughs> me and the dog are in the camper if you want to come over. Yep, told her she was PMSing again, yep. Yep. And, um, and that's what we do. And so you're going to view something that is supposed to help you as a form of bondage you know and, and, and especially in adolescence 
you know, as parents, I have three girls. You know, I, I protect my girls from guys. I broke up with my first boyfriend in, in seventh grade. My daughter was uh, 12. I found out she was dating. I broke up with my first boy. I met him at a skating rink. I said for eight years I worked for the police and the FBI. I've never lost an argument because mine start with a red dot on your forehead and either end with you agreeing with me or badly. It's very simple. I said, I don't want to have to hurt you because I do care for you and I love you. I love your family. But that kid cannot date you without you dying. So I'll leave it up to you. You're very smart. Take your time. And um, he apologized. He said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. She told me she asked you. (laughs) And if my kid had rejection, she would look at that like I'm overprotective. I'm trying to stifle her creativity, her dating life. I'm ruining her social life. Do you all hear what I'm saying? When really I'm trying to protect my 12-year-old kid that you're not mature enough to date? Are you kidding me? I mean, there are 20-year-old people that shouldn't date. You know, and I, I tell people, you know, when I was a youth pastor, I'd say, buy a cactus. If you can keep it alive for six months to a year, then go get a fish. You can, if you can keep your fish alive after six months or a year, you can move up to a little bigger animal, a cat or a dog or something. If you can keep that alive, you know, then maybe after a few years of being able to manage life, May, yeah, and they live, then maybe try a girl. Yeah. And anyway, that's my theory on dating. Get a cactus. So that was free. And, um, and I tried it, and I killed my first cactus, which is why I stayed single for so long. <clears throat> Broke my own rule. Cactus is the easiest thing to keep alive. And then I've killed every fish I've had, which is really sad. So um, those had no point at all. So nothing these people did in their own human effort helped that man in his rejection. It only was a supernatural touch from God that freed him. It was only the master's hand that freed him. Because the bondage and the wounds were so deep inside that only God could visit it. And in verse 5, you know, night and day, he's crying out. He's cutting himself with stones. It's no wonder that self-cutting, self-mutilation is such a large phenomenon in the adolescent community today. Because they're just crying out for help. They're crying out for acceptance. They're crying out to, you know, to be loved for who they are. And, and rejection causes self-destructive behavior. It, it causes self-destructive tendencies that you don't, you don't take care of yourself. You, know? you, 
you know, gorging on, you know, a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts is not, not self-love. You know, it's not, it's not helpful. You know, eat a nectarine or something. Right? You know, that's, that's self-destructive behavior. It really is. But no, it is. Don't argue with me. I have the microphone. And I'm going to preach over here because he's bigger than me. So, <laughs> And he comes to church loaded. So, um, so what was I talking about? Krispy Kreme donuts. They're from the devil. Uh, feel free to ask the doctor here. Sugar is, is not good for you. And anyway, we're not talking about that tonight, but it's just not good for you. And, um, and so the mountain region that he's in, in this, in this place that he's at, mountains in Scripture many times represent pride, um, you know, remote regions, uh, the desert places uh, represent isolation. And, um, and what I felt as I was praying is that in Alaska, you know, there is something about the spirit of Alaska. And, um, and please hear me, I love Alaska. I do. I've been coming here for a long time, 20 years. And I love Alaska. I love the people of Alaska. I don't know that I could live here because I'm kind of spoiled and... I don't shoot stuff. And I grew up Catholic, so we don't like fish. Be- like, because I had to eat it every Friday, and I just can't eat it. Like, I don't even like looking at them. They just, they just don't like them. So I don't kill stuff, and I don't like fish. And, um, and I'm from California. Which is, maybe I should have said that first. <laughs> be like, oh, we get it. You don't have to explain. Um, and, um, and, and so when I was pastoring, I was pastoring this great church. And, and we had a lot of hunters in my church. And they'd go shoot stuff. And they'd show up at my house. And they'd be like, here, pastor. You know, they're like local people. They'd be like, here. And they'd like try to hand me this hunk of meat or something. I'm like. What, are, what do you even do with that? Like I, like, I would ask them, what is that? You know, be like, it's a hind quarter, whatever, whatever. I'm like, I'm like, here, honey, it's for you. And, um, and so on a Sunday morning, I preached in L.A. We just go to the store. Like, that's what we do. We go to the store and go into the little meat section and ask the meat man, may I have that? They put it in white little paper and write on it with a Sharpie. And then they hand it to you, go away and leave. So that's all I know. Everything I've ever owned and eaten is in little white butcher paper. So I was just joking, kind of, sort of, but not really. And the very next day, on Monday, all these hunters show up with stuff in white butcher paper. <laughs> and, it, and, 
they'd have it, they'd write on their little instructions on how to cook it and what to do, and it was awesome. And uh, they even showed me how to stack it in my freezer because I didn't even know. I'd be like, I don't even know what you do with that. So it was hilarious. So um, that was free. But um, so, yes, I had a point. It's good I took notes. Um, So I love Alaska. Does everybody hear me say that? I mean, I really do. And there's something about the spirit of Alaska that you have to be somewhat of a pioneer You have to have a certain spirit, I think, to live here and flourish here. I mean, you know, you come and it's dark like 23 hours a day in the winter, you know. And then we, I remember, you know, teeing off and playing golf like at 1030 at night. And the dude goes, okay, have the golf cart back by 2 a.m. because it starts getting dark. So it's like. 10.30 at night, I'm wearing my shades, hitting a golf ball. I'm like, this is bizarre. It's like just bipolar. You know, it's like just pitch black, dark nothing, and then bright light forever, and it won't go away. You know, and you just have to be a certain kind of person. I think I could be wrong, but would you agree with me? And so because of that, I think many people come to Alaska to get away from all the stupid people. You know? Getting away from all those people with pink shirts. You know? Moving to Alaska, man. You know, homestead. Gonna stake my claim. Shoot stuff. Kill stuff. Catch stuff. Right? You know, and, and I think that pioneering spirit, which is great, can also have a downside in the fact that you become isolated. You can fall to that rejection thing because your state is so large, so spread out, so pioneering, if you will, so industrious. You know what I mean? Yeah, and if, and if you're not careful, you can get sucked into that thing, I think, very easily. So, again, I'm from California. How many would agree with my previous statement? Oh, six people. All right, let's just close in a word of prayer. Should have went to the Baptist church down the street. They asked me to, and I said, no, I'm going to the Pentecostal people. Clearly, I was not hearing from the Lord. So let's just close in a word of prayer. We'll give you your money back. You can go shoot something. So, so Jesus, we thank you. Wouldn't that be really funny if I just did that? And then, and then I did like some rapper thing. You just drop the mic and go, I'm outie. Right? We represent. Be like. It's just never mind. All right. Um, so, so crying out for help, no one had pity on him. No one could help him. Didn't matter what they tried to do to try to restrain him and help him. It did not help the torment. It did not help the torture, you know, and cutting himself. You know, there are many times that you're 
pain and your trauma and your grief is so deep, you can't even articulate where it comes from. You can't even put your finger on how it got there. So if you can't put your finger on how it got there and you can't articulate what it is, how are you going to get help from it? You know, so you, you just continue that painful cycle uh, in your life. Rejection causes contradiction and confusion. Double-mindedness where you, you think people are trying to help you or out to hurt you. You know, my, my kid could have easily thought I was out to, you know, repress her wonderful spirit, you know, and as a great kid. And I was very careful to tell her, honey, you're beautiful. I love you. It's boys are stupid. I do not have any problem with you. Boys are stupid. And I've told them since they were little kids, all boys want are in your panties. I'm a firm believer in that. That was also free. Well, no, not too little, but when they could understand. Um, even Christian boys. So anyway, that's, that's my role. Since I'm speaking. Um, so which is why I tell girls you shouldn't date. So boys are like 25, and then, I don't know, something happens. It's like cryogenically, their brain is frozen, and they can only, you know, think with other parts of their body. And then around 25, it's like, you know, they wake up, and they're human beings again. (laughs) We don't know how that happens, but. So, if you can just skip that stupid part, eventually they come around. So, uh, when Jesus sees the man, the man does not bow down to worship him, even though he bows down. He believes that Jesus is there to hurt him. He says in verse 7, swear to God that you won't torture me. You know, don't torment me. And, and, And that rejection, instead of seeing Jesus as the deliverer, as the king of all creation, as the one who holds the key to set him free, he looks at him like he's the tormentor, like he's come to punish him. And people with rejection issues many times blame those things on God. You know, that you're the one who did that. If you really loved me, you wouldn't have allowed that to happen to me. You would have saved me. You would have done something if you're such a kind and loving God. And they see the person who has the answer to set them free as someone who comes to torment them and to torture them. And as a result of that, that spirit of rejection uh, does not allow that you would have a healthy perspective of people. Uh, It doesn't allow you to have a healthy perspective of their motives or their intentions. You know, many times people with rejection issues feel like everybody's out to get them. You know, if you have rejection issues, and I was a pastor for over 20 years, you know, let's say I elevated this dear lady, you know, in ministry, and I said, hey, you know, can you do that dance? You know, that beautiful, you know, thingy that you do. Do you all know the beautiful thingy that she does? That, do you, the what a what a 
Native Alaskan dance. There you go. Thanks for your help. And I, and I said, hey, can you do that beautiful Native Alaskan dance? And there was some other woman with a rejection issue right there. She'd be go, oh, you, you passed me over. You don't like me. You're prejudiced. You don't like women. You don't believe women should be used in church. You're a ha 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 And all I said is, could you do your little thingy? Right? But, but people with rejection things, no matter your intentions, no matter your motives, you're out to get me. Oh, you're out that pastor. That guy. Right? When really, that guy. So anyway, that was free. It was also free, unless you're paying for your thing, and then it wasn't free, but it's still very cheap. <laughs> All right. Um, wow. Thanks a lot. All right, is anybody getting anything out of this? I'm starting to get really drunk in the Holy Spirit, so... <laughs> I start rambling even worse that's the reason but <sighs> wow um okay so yep everybody's out to get me and then they believe that people coming to help them are actually there to harm them and and even the demons, they didn't want to leave the region. So that's fascinating. You know, the demons begged Jesus not to have them leave the region. Isn't that fascinating? And there are many times in rejection that misery loves company. You, you, you just want that, that like rejection connection, if you will. You know, there's a connection. Misery loves company. And, and the demons didn't want to leave the region. They liked the region. They probably controlled that region. And, and the stages of rejection over time lead up to a reality that I'm just going to call to, a total rejection meltdown. You know, where, you, where people just have a total rejection meltdown. Has anybody met people like that? Anybody ever met people like that? And, and you can't hold your life together at that point. You know, many people turn to drugs and alcohol and, you know, illicit sex and whatever. You know, Krispy Kreme donuts. Anything to try to ease the pain. And total rejection begins to look for unclean things. Places where it can hide. That's why he was in the tombs. Total rejection um, causes you to do things you would never normally do. It, it begins to attract all these unclean areas of your life. Hidden things, you know, it's where, where pornography 
uh, takes a hold. Illicit affairs, adultery, you know, lying and cheating, stealing, manipulation, control. Uh, all these different facets of rejection begin to surface in this hidden place. And which then that total rejection really begins just to steal your life. You have no joy. You have no sense of purpose. You're like, at this point, I might as well just, you know, stick a 45 and end it all. You know, what's, what's the point? What's the use? Do you all hear me? And I know what I'm talking about. I've seen so many people. And it's just sad that it comes to that place. But things that should make sense don't make sense. Like the pigs, you know, the legion, a legion, and the Roman legions, you know, legions were, you know, 1,000, 1,500, uh, up to as many as 5,000. And, um, and there's 2,000 pigs, and it doesn't make any sense, but, but the demons asked to go into the pig, which is an unclean animal to a Jew, right? And the pigs in the herd end up running off the cliff and drowning. Now, pigs are the smartest barnyard animal, and they can swim. And they go drown. And you can swim. And you're the smartest animal, and you just ran off a cliff. Like, you know, right? That's like something a sheep would do, which is why we're all called sheep, because sheep are really stupid. I mean, they, they would actually walk off a cliff just because the, you know, big furry butt in front of them did, you know? So all you do is follow the big furry butt, bleh, bop, you know? You're like, dude, I was following your butt. What happened? I don't even know. This is another great Alaskan parable. If you're not the lead dog, your view never changes. To quote the great Alaskan pioneer, if you're not the lead dog, your view never changes. So you're following a big furry butt. You meander off a cliff. And pigs are smarter than that, but the demons make them stupid. And it's not just a stupid demon, it's a rejection demon. It's a very specific demon that was trying to destroy this man's life. And when it, they couldn't, they took the pig's life. Told you it was going to be good. And so let me just tell you this culture of rejection in youth today, especially in kids' lives, you know, with social media and Snapchat and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, stupid twit face, which is Twitter, Facebook combined, stupid twit face. Just made that up. It's t Twitter, Facebook is a twit face. Anyway, 
So have someone under 20 explain it to you. So we, so we have this culture where, where youth today are killing themselves literally because of a post on Facebook. Literally taking their lives over rejection in social media. And that's the culture that we today are raising our kids in. It's so much worse than my, when I was a kid. You know, people throw a rock at you, whatever, you know, and run away. That would be like the worst thing that could happen to you, you know. Throw a rock at you and they, you know, broke your army man or whatever. You know, now kids are carrying weapons to school, just mass shootings, just killing people. You know, shooting people in movie theaters. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? You know, days of just throwing a rock at someone, calling them, you know, a stupid name and running away. You know, now I can't even imagine being a kid. That's why I just have great grace and great love for kids. Because if I had to do it all over again, I don't think I would have lived through my adolescence. It was a kinder and gentler world back then. And, um, and so there's a whole culture of rejection. And the fear of rejection is so paralyzing. You know, someone didn't ask me to the dance. And they, they take their life because it's the end of their world. Do you all understand what I'm saying? And so that culture of rejection causes you to think that nothing is going to happen to you, you know, nothing good is going to happen to you, causes suspicion, a culture of rejection, uh, conditions you that, that you're in bondage, under bondage, and no one can help you. You know, it's a little like Pavlov's dogs and operant conditioning, where, you, where in our culture today, you're just conditioned to that rejection, to that, to that horrible thing that you have to be a certain way to, to have attention. And it's from the pit of hell. And the demons plead to be sent away. And, and I will just tell you in verses 18 through 20, and you can read it, that there's hope because the dude gets completely set free. He gets completely healed. He comes back and you can tell the fruit of his life as he wants to follow Jesus, and Jesus tells him no. So it's the first test of his healing. You know, you just get healed of a root of rejection, and then you go, well, let me follow you because you're the greatest man I've ever met. He's sitting there upright in his right mind. Everybody's freaking out. They're like, oh, oh my goodness. He goes, let me come with you. And he goes, no. I'd be like, what? You know, you all hear what I'm saying? But he, but he doesn't respond in his rejection anymore. He goes and submits to what Jesus said, which is go home and tell your family. Go tell him everything that happened to you. So he doesn't get his idea, which is I want to go hang out with this dude. He goes home, he listens, he submits. He goes and does the very thing that Jesus asked him to do. And he ends up being, according to my estimation, the very first missionary in Scripture. The demon-possessed legion dude is preaching in the Decapolis, which is the ten cities. And if that is not a home run, then I have hope. 
You know, I used to think, you know, Balaam's donkey gave me hope, but that dude's way worse than a donkey. <laughs> Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And that's the first Christian missionary, you know. And so in Mark chapter 6, and then I'm going to close, and I might have gone long, very sorry. Uh, hopefully it was entertaining and felt, felt like five minutes to you. Um, but he goes away joyful. He goes away changed. He goes away different because his behavior is different. His demeanor is different. Everything about him is different. It, it changed him. And look in Mark chapter 6. And then I'm going to close. Mark chapter 6, verse 53 through 56. It says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And anchored there, as soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region. Everybody say region. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages, towns, and countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. It went from a region, Gennesaret is on the eastern side of the very lake they had just crossed. It's in the same region as the Gadarenes. And the people of the Gadarenes who begged him to leave that place now are begging him to stay, are begging him to heal the sick. They bring everybody and fill the marketplaces because that spirit of rejection had left that region. Because it's right across Kitty Corner to where he just was. And the response of those people that wanted him to stay and wanted him to heal them was a far cry than the other people in their rejection before that who wanted him to leave. And that's how you know God can do anything. He really can. And he's going to help us tonight. Amen. Put your hands together, won't you? Have our ushers help us. We're going to go ahead and receive an offering for Dr. Gannon tonight. Amen. We'll be getting into the book uh, tomorrow. And so you hold on to those. And if you didn't get a copy, we'll have some available for you. And doors will open about 8.30. We'd encourage you to be a part of uh, what we call the gate in the well. It's a prayer meeting that we have every Saturday morning from 7 a.m. And it's specifically for marriages and families. There really are no prayer meetings that pray for families specifically. And that's what we do. We pray and, and we break into uh, groups, men on one side and uh, women on the other. It's a great time. We'd encourage you to be there at 7 to 8, and then the doors will be open at 8.30. Thank you, fellows. Let's bless the man of God. Amen. Making out a check, just make it out to KC. You can certainly give online, too, through our giving app. Amen. Is there anybody here besides me, that struggled profoundly with rejection. But you believe God's healed you.
Yeah, and, and, and God's going to heal some people here tonight in just a moment. The greatest, the greatest thing for me in getting set free from rejection was, well, there's so many components to that for me. I think the biggest one was that the power of the Holy Spirit would come on me every time I walked into a church even though I had done so many horrible things to try to get him to hate me like I did everybody else. And he just kept wrapping his arms around me. And I thought, what is this that you won't leave me alone? It was the love of the Father, you know. There's so much more to it, but great word. Amen. Ushers, would you come, please? Let's pray. Again, if we could, Gil or, or John, uh, if we could have uh, a bucket for a donation for the, uh, for the cost of those books. And you're all on your honor, on your honor with those. Are you all set? Okay, good. Father, we thank and praise you for uh, Dr. Michael Gannon, our, our dear friend, who's been sowing into the state of Alaska, into the vision of KC, here for oh, 20 years since we were a church, came up. And uh, we thank you for the anointings upon his life and all that you're doing in and through him and the dreams that you're bringing about, Lord, and the books that are soon to be released and all that you're doing. God, we thank you for the word tonight. We pray that you would bless him exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that he could ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, can I have somebody on the keyboard, please? Ushers, go ahead. So um, I want to pray for you tonight. There are times that rejection comes through no fault of your own. You didn't invite it. You didn't ask for it. Uh, you didn't even participate in it. But it might have been afflicted, inflicted upon you. Inflicted by a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle socioeconomic situation you were in. I, where I work is 97% African American. I am clearly Caucasian. And it's 97% African American. Where I live at work, six years I've been there, probably 20 people have been shot just on the block where I work. Just a few months ago, a dude with a, a couple dudes with semi-automatic nine-millimeter Uzis plowed four people in a car, gang shooting. It's 200 feet from my front door. And you think people in an environment like that in an inner city have rejection issues, you think? Do you think? People who may live in remote villages or remote places or, you know, that feeling of remoteness, like you just can't connect. It's part of that rejection thing. And tonight I want to pray for you. 
if, if you saw yourself in any way in this message that I preached tonight, and I'm not saying you have legions of demons or stuff like that, you know. Like, so if I respond, are you saying I'm demonized? You know, no, I'm not saying that. You know, but we can be affected by those types of things, not even aware of the power of the impact that it has upon my life. And I really felt like tonight God wanted to do something for you. And um, so we're going to sing that song. Can we sing that song when you walk into a room? Because that's a great song, too. Can we? Give me the look. Get the look. Let's sing that old hymn from 1837. In the key of C, please, with every head bowed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sorry. I don't get invited to a lot of churches because I do stuff like that. I <laughs> do. you to come. If you want to come as a husband and wife, you can. If you've been through a divorce, I invite you to come. If you've been through a shattered relationship, if you've been through a family breakup, um, if anything I said tonight resonated inside of you, I really believe God wants to help you set you free. And I really believe with every fiber of my being. So we're going to sing this song tonight. And if you've never personally given your heart to the Lord, I invite you tonight. It was the greatest decision I ever made in my life. I was a monster drug addict. I imported drugs from Mexico. I was on 10 grams of cocaine. I'd been up for five straight days. I've been doing, I'd been a professional drug addict since I was 12 years old. And I was 28. God spoke to me and said, you're going to die and go to hell if you do not accept my son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. And he lifted me above my body in my room, and I watched my mom and dad walk through my bedroom door, and I was laying there dead. And he said to me again, you're going to die and go to hell if you do not accept my son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. I couldn't stop doing drugs to save my life. I couldn't stop drinking to save my life. I couldn't stop destroying my life to save my life. And I was Catholic, so I didn't even know what that even meant. chicken Christian put a Bible track on my windshield and ran away. And I grabbed this little Bible track and I, and I prayed that little stupid prayer on the back. 
God set me free. I watched as that dead part of me floated out of the ceiling of my room. I've never touched a drug since that day. I mean, I got so completely set free, just like that man. So if you need prayer tonight, we're going to invite you to come. And um, we'll ask you just to come up to the front. Is that all right? And if you've never given your heart to the Lord, you know, ask him to forgive you. Maybe you need to ask your husband and wife to forgive you too. Amen. Find forgiveness at this altar tonight. And so come, if you will. Is that all right? Nobody wants to, re to respond to my legion of demons.
knowing there's a reason all my dreams come alive life is for living with you i made my decision my eyes with wonder forever young in your love this freedom's untainted with you no moment is wasted see the sun now bursting through the clouds black and white turning color all around all is new
sun now bursting through the clouds black and white turning color all around all this new in the savior i am found
release your healing touch right now.
Tomorrow, the gate in the well at 7 a.m. at the barn. We're moving power. Back here tomorrow, 9 o'clock, 8.30, doors open. God, moving power as we go through that book and get some tools by which we can have marriages and lives that represent you and your kingdom. Thank you for what you've done. We seal it all up tonight in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There'd be no retaliation, kickback, blessing, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. blessed. We'll see you in the morning.